0: Good afternoon. Uh, my name is Ian Sharp. I'm a partner at law firm Hill Dickinson. I'm delighted to uh, be moderating the Charterers perspective panel today. As we have heard, uh, Charterers play a critical role in the direction of the shipping industry uh, and also play a important role in terms of the march towards decarbonisation. Um, as you are all probably well aware, as, uh, Aware, uh, the energy and commodity sectors play a very important role within chartering and within shipping. Um, my distinguished panel today, who I will introduce shortly, um, are very active in global engagement and sustainability in supply chain. So in no particular order, I'd like to introduce to you to uh, Mrs. Sarah Greener. She's the head of sustainability and supply chain excellence at BHP. Captain Manny Raj Sivalangam, Master Mariner and Managing Director of Clear Lake Shipping PTE. We also have Mr. Scott Bergeron. He's the Managing Director, Global Engagement and Sustainability with Alder North Carriers. Mr. Matthew Tan, General Manager for Chartering with Rio Tinto. And last but no least, we have Mrs. Suyin Anand, Head of Shipping at South 32. So today, we're going to touch upon a few issues that that have come up today. Uh, Decarbonization, regulations, and a little bit on the impact of ESG. So I'd like to start actually with a a, a question uh, for Sarah. BHP is amongst the world's top producers of commodities, including iron ore, copper, nickel, and met coal, and obviously plays a major role in supplying products. Essential for the transition of society towards a more sustainable future. Could you tell us a little bit more about BHP's approach to sustainability, to its to, to its supply chain and its chartering activities?
1: Yeah, thank you, Ian. So I guess um, from BHP's perspective, it's all about how do we provide the commodities the world needs to decarbonize. and you know that's you know whether it's iron ore, um, nickel uranium, um, potash uh, in the agricultural sector and it's really what is our strategy to pivot and make sure that you know, we have the commodities needed to, to decarbonise. For example, we're going to need four times the amount of uh, nickel and two times the amount of copper over the next 30 years just to um, keep up with the pace of, of decarbonisation. Um, and interestingly, our shareholders are, are interested now in not just what we produce, but also how we produce it. And we're, we're getting to this intersection where value and sustainability are almost now two sides of the same coin. So I guess um, more, more, more into the, the maritime space, um, BHP's decarbonisation strategy um, is really reflective of our role as a charterer um, uh, in, in the maritime sector. Um, our strategy is really based upon three critical pillars. The first one being future fuels and, and the future fuel transition. Um, you know, we've already deployed LNG as a fuel, biofuels, and it's all about what comes next, how do we transition to that zero emission um, fuel future and beyond. I think I heard nuclear uh, mentioned before, that's absolutely going to be part of the fuel mix in the future. It's just about timing and, and at, what, at what pace. Secondly, um, the the second pillar is all about onboard innovations and technology. So introducing wind-assisted propulsion will absolutely be part of the the mix uh, in the future, along with other onboard innovations, uh, fuel optimisation solutions, route optimisations, etc. And then finally, um, chartering choices. So I think this is probably the most interesting and the most um, uh, change that we've seen in the past sort of 18 months, where historically we've focused just on price. Then we're focused on safety, then price, and now what we're seeing is the the combination of safety, um, cost, as well as um, sustainability credentials, all making up um, uh, chartering choices. And then finally, underpinning all of that, we've heard a lot about collaboration today and ecosystem partnerships is absolutely critical. And partnering is taking a new kind of form um, as well. It's not the traditional partners or associations that that we've heard about today. It's also partnering with, you know, what is usually your competitor because you know through maximum volume and demand you can um, have a greater impact and faster. And then the other critical enabler we've also heard a lot about today is technology and digitization. And I'm pretty sure um, we're just on the cusp of you know a really interesting step change in um, the digitization of our industry as well. That's
0: great. Thank you, Sarah. Um, just picking up on uh, one of the points that's come up today and also that you mentioned about collaboration. And I think this is a, a question for the panel uh, as a whole. How, how well... Do you think, or how easy has it been for companies like yourselves uh, to collaborate within the sector to establish energy efficiency and de- decarbonization programmes to reduce risk and exposures to CO2 tax and also increasing fuel costs? And maybe Matthew, you'd like to start with this one.
2: Thank you very much, and uh, good afternoon, everyone. Glad that you're still with us doing... Uh, a very, very uh, important time during lunch, but uh, thank you very much for the opportunity. And Yen, that's a great question. I think in terms of collaboration, um, what I'd probably like to take us back is, we've heard a lot about partnering, and I think we probably also need to elevate this aspect now, where we have to understand that we have to have meaningful partners. We have to have very, very like-minded partners, and certainly across the panel here, other charterists need to partner. Um, there's so much that we can do in the DECAP space but there's also a lot more that we can do when it comes to information sharing. The type of emissions that, are, um, that we see day-to-day in the ships that we charter, I think that's something that we have to look more into together with each, each, each counterpart um, and more so I think if we also take a broader step from an ESG perspective safety is, is certainly an underlining perspective and priority among all of us. And I think when we look at ESG and when we look at safety, I think once we start to share more and have and go towards similar goals on safety and crew welfare, I think that's a great start and, and it all starts from there. And I think once we have that established, you start to mature and you start to open the doors and you start to share more information in the decarbonization journey.
0: Thanks, Matthew. Um, Suyin.
3: Um, thanks. Um, I think it's a really interesting question. I think uh, most of here, uh, most of us here in the room would uh, would I think remember conferences from years back where everyone used to say that the problem with the shipping industry is a lack of collaboration and a lack of transparency. Uh, In my view, does that problem still exist? Yes, it does. Uh, But I do think that uh, with the um, ESG element becoming uh, such a big um, focus for businesses, it is getting slightly better. And I do think conferences like this make a difference. Um, I mean, how many conferences have you actually been where you have a panel of charterers sitting here in front of you uh, trying to share our views with owners and uh, owners and other service providers in the room? It it is quite rare. So I think this this is one step or just one symbolic, um, one symbol of how things are changing within the industry and the voices that people actually want to hear. Um, And to that point, I think it really starts with counterparties, your direct counterparties sitting down, having an honest conversation and actually listening and understanding to one another. I think the media has very sexy headlines, like I like to say, decarbonization, fuel of the future. And those are really, really important issues that the industry needs to solve for, but no one company is gonna be able to solve for it. Um, Ourselves, that will take, I think, a lot of private partner relation, uh, private public uh, partnerships, in order to solve fuel of the future. What fuel is it going to be? How are we going to set up the infrastructure? but on a daily basis and operational basis, it is the conversations that the owners are having with your direct counterparties to problem solve, um, operational issues that arise on a day-to-day basis, and also how you can operate your voyages a lot more efficiently. And honestly, that is the starting point. I think the second point um, that hasn't been mentioned so far is actually people. I think management can have uh, goals that are set in place, but ultimately we need people in order to assist us to execute uh, the vision. So how do we attract the right people uh, to our organisations to help us with our decarbonisation uh, plans? And secondly, I think how do we ensure that the people that we already have with us are upskilled in order to have the right conversations with their counterparties? And I think the question here that everyone can just think about is when your charterers are fixing a ship, are they actually talking to their counterparties about what are the ESG elements that they take into consideration uh, in rating or proposing a ship? And I think it does start at that level.
0: That's great, thank you. So, Scott, I guess that leads us nicely on to your perspective from Oldendorf carriers So,
4: sure. Uh, but one of the things I, I've said a few times, you know, I've been in the business of uh, applying regulations uh, during most of my, my career, and. To me, this is the first time a new regulation uh, has come where, where is this sense um, that it's a joint responsibility. I mean, if we look back just to 2020, IMO 2020 and the change of fuel, um, our charterers, our clients would ask, okay, how how are you going to solve that problem? And and that goes back all the way to ISM code, the security codes, and ballast water regulations along the way. But when it comes to decarbonization, the conversation normally starts, how are we going to tackle that? So I think this is an important indication uh, that it is something that we're in uh, together and it requires this word that is now, as Suyin just said, you didn't hear much about collaboration before, and now you hear that word way too much during these these conversations of decarbonization, too much collaboration discussion, too much journey discussion. So these are two words I I try to avoid. But I also think as, as we prepare our ESG reporting, uh, there's this concept of, of double materiality. And, and this is also forcing the counterparties to, to look at each other and understand each other's needs and ways of doing business and then agreeing to certain codes of conduct. So uh, definitely, uh, despite my promise to myself not to use the word, but collaboration is, is part of this
0: future for all of us. Thank you. Captain Manny, as part of a leading global commodities trading group, Uh, which is committed to improving environmental impact of its portfolio and investing in sustainable businesses. From your view, what form has this taken with regard to Clear Lake and its shipping and chartering activities?
5: uh, Good afternoon. Thanks for the opportunity. Um, On the chartering perspective, uh, uh, when we charter vessel, uh, what is the vessel available in the market when we charter? But uh, we are also uh, into decarbonization. We have, uh, um, whenever we charter vessel, we look at the, now we have to look at the CII and how the performance and all those things. But whatever the uh, uh, decarbonization we're talking about with the existing fuel, uh, we can't go very far, just a small percentage we're trying to cut down so there should be a, 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 another fuel that uh, or another renewable fuel that can re- reduce the uh, emission because the existing fuel or the fossil fuel uh, doesn't like uh, cut down uh, the uh, uh, will take us quickly to the decarbonization uh, uh, level we want to go so it's it's very important that uh, um, the R&D or research and development and um, to play a bigger role to get us to a better fuel. That uh, there's nobody, uh, there, there's no f- uh, r- r- right fuel uh, we are talking about today. Uh, Everybody is uh, trying to, uh, uh, to 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 to. Uh, uh, innovate something they can but there's no authority or, or, or any uh, regulation or jointly uh, getting into uh, uh, a better fuel or renewable uh, energy to cut down or to improve decarbonization uh, as what we targeted. So I think uh, the R&D is, plays a very important role in decarbonization. Uh, we as a charterer we are a fit in between. And uh, the availability, if we have a vessel that have a better uh, 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 fuel and we, we can charter uh, and uh, the availability is important that we can charter and use the vessel. And if it's not available, it's, it's, we are doing very marginal uh, support for
0: the uh, decarbonization, This is my view. Thank you, Captain Manny. Actually, probably coming back to Scott on this one. Um, as one of the world's leading dry bulk owners and operators, 90% of your fleet, I understand, and most of its charter ships, are eco-type, environmentally friendly. So as part of the global engagement and sustainability team, how how do you work to develop sustainable shipping and with your counterparties as well?
4: So our sustainability our sustainability team has a pretty broad mandate, everything from research and development all the way to developing uh, sustainable solutions for our clients. And in between that is policy, trying to understand regulation, trying to uh, advocate for better policies, doing the reporting. Uh, where I think we, we've had the most success is in terms of developing achievable solutions today. So earlier today we, we heard about low-hanging fruit and some in the audience might be aware that we came out at the end of 2022 quite critical of the CII regulations. Um, What we feel is we need to to work on metrics that make sense, that are understandable. And one of the ones that we're using with with our customers is is the amount of CO2 emitted per tons of cargo carried. And and this is a metric that makes sense in the boardrooms, It makes sense for, for the shippers. And if you focus at the root level, you can really easily define a benchmark of of how much carbon have you emitted during uh, the lifting of so many tons on a period basis. And using that benchmark, you can achieve real CO2 reduction by targeting that very single metric and, and driving that number down. And that can be done with a variety of ways. Of course, there's technology. There will be new fuels. We've done some projects with biofuels. But even more simplified things is slowing down, upsizing, and just focusing on, on metrics that work, I think, lead to that. Um, and so you put that together, as other speakers have said today, and applying what the low-hanging fruit is today, along with technical innovations of tomorrow, optimizing, using um, software technologies to improve the, the voyage optimization. These are the techniques that we're focusing on.
0: Thank you. So, we've heard uh, today a little bit about um, regulations, um, and there was some discussion on emissions trading, um, but there's also the Poseidon principles and the Sea Cargo Charter. So, this is, I guess, a general question for the panel today. Um, how do you see that standards for sustainability are being implemented um, as an evolution from those regulations? And what do you see are the continuing challenges within the chartering space? And perhaps, Sarah, we might start with you.
1: Thanks. I think um, you're right. We've heard a lot about um, the regulators today and the, the movement and action or lack of action there and... Um, then all of the the associations who have formed and plugged some of those gaps and, um, you know, with some some success as well, specifically uh, here in Singapore. But one sort of area that we haven't spoken about is the pull from the customer base. Um, So within, uh, you know, BHP, we, um, you know, produce nickel and our end customer base is the automotive EV uh, industry. And there's a real desire for traceability, transparency, right from mine to to car. And I think we're going to see more and more of this as the customer base pulls, um, you know, their requirements, their expectations uh, on us uh, as well. So, but the regulators, we've got the associations, and then we've also got um, a a customer base, I think, that's going to get higher and higher in their levels of expectations, um, specifically uh, on charterers and the mining sector as well.
0: Thank you. Um, Suyin, I guess this, this flows nicely to you as well, obviously operating in the global mining and metals uh, sector. Um, uh, global mining and metals companies have an important role in responding to risks and opportunities of climate change uh, to produce metals that support the transition to low-carbon world uh, and to do in a way that seeks to minimise impact. Could you tell us about uh, 32 South's approach uh, to climate change, particularly with regard to shipping and chartering.
3: Yep. Uh, thanks, Ian. I think um, our approach would probably be not too dissimilar from um, other uh, mining houses, uh, particularly you know, um, the two sitting at this table. Um, we are really focused on being able to produce uh, metals and minerals that support a, a decarbonized future. I think in relation to uh, shipping and our supply chain, our two main areas of focus are um, on partnerships and collaborations Sorry Scott, couldn't find a replacement word at short notice Um, Partnership and collaborations and really people I think there's as a mining company, yes, there is a lot that we can do in order to decarbonize our own supply chain and our own scope one and scope two emissions. But as charterers, if we want to uh, decarbonize our scope three emissions, I think we really understand that we need to do this in collaboration with our partners. And by that, we refer to our suppliers, so ship owners here, and also our customers. And I would echo Sarah's point that the customers play a really important part in this entire chain. Um, Sometimes when I speak to my ship owner friends, I remind them that look, yes ship owners are really really important people I agree, right? But you provide a service to a larger supply chain So in order to actually decarbonize and actually achieve a lot of the other ESG goals um, You need to understand what the other Stakeholders within your supply chain and your value chain are actually after absent any alignment between Um, stakeholders within this supply chain, it will be impossible to move forward and achieve the targets that the IMO have set out. So uh, partnerships and collaborations with our value chain stakeholders and also with industry associations and being able to influence regulators, I think that's another important part that we are now starting to focus on. And I keep going back to people. We cannot achieve all this without the right people within our organizations. So how do we ensure that we are educating our workforce in order to be future ready to deal with these issues as they come up more in our BAU?
0: Thank you. Um, so Matthew, um, obviously we've, we've heard from, uh, from a number of you about supply chains. Uh, obviously marine shipping involves very complex supply chains. As part of a leading global metals and mining group, what are some of the things that Rio Tinto has been doing to coordinate its supply chain and support that transition to decarbonize shipping and also find solutions to shipping's global carbon emissions.
2: Thank you very much, Ian. I'll try and summarize that um, as short as I can. We, we own a small fleet of ships. We own 17 ships, but we also charter a lot of vessels. And we certainly work a lot with ship owners. So I think at the core of all of us here as well, we understand how important it is that for decarbonization to be that effective, it surely has to encompass the contributions across the whole value chain. There are three main pillars that I would say are how we would like to manage supply chain as well as to target decarbonization. The first, as I've heard earlier on today, the ships are coming to our ports, they're coming to our terminals. As much as we want to optimize the voyages, We have to optimize our ports and our terminals. Not only just in time, potentially, but the feasibility of having an operation run like that. The potential of having virtual NORs, which in some industries might already have been in place. Could these be levers that we need to focus on to optimize the ports and the terminals? The second major aspect would be vessels. We've heard so much about the different types of fuels, the shorter term trials, the transition fuels, and the end state. But vessels, by and large, is a major, major topic for us. We have to target the fuels. That's certainly an aspect. But we also need to ensure that we have the right technology to work with our ship owners to ensure that we've got the right energy saving devices installed on ships that we time charter, on ships that we have a vested interest to know that they are gonna be transporting our cargoes. And the last, like what Sueen as well would have said, is meaningful partnerships. Without that and without everyone in this room, until we can get across that mindset that it's a single party that is going to be contributing to this, will find it a challenge. And I think as, as a charterer, as I sit on the pulse and as I hear and I look at the chartering deals that we do, ESG is very, very important to us. But this will become a whole lot more important as we charter our ships. And it really comes down to the partners that we work with. So ultimately, it's optimization across our ports, our terminals, the vessels that we charter, how we charted the vessels and the partnerships that we established going ahead. Thanks, Ian.
0: I guess the general question just following on from that, Matthew, is is, uh, how easy have you found it to actually uh, get a decent level of engagement with your other stakeholders?
3: Um, Maybe I can uh, start that as the smallest mining company at this table. Um, So I think um, the one thing I want to say, it's really important. I think all of us here understand, right, that um, being involved, shipping is not the same. There are many different segments in shipping. So, you know, I think when you're involved in uh, cape side shipments for the bulk uh, on the bulk side, it's more industrial in nature, and you arguably have fewer players. So, I think uh, I'll let I'll let uh, my. My competitors here comment on how easy it is f- uh, for them, but for us, um, we we charter in and we're mainly voyage charterers, handy size supermaxes, ultramaxes, and to some extent panamaxes. And in each of these markets, I would argue they're a lot more fragmented than um, than the cape size market. So it comes with added complexity. But to answer your question, Ian, how easy has it been or how difficult has it been to actually engage uh, with our stakeholders? I'll have to say that when you start having the conversations, you find like-minded stakeholders. And I see a few in the audience right now. Um, Our ship owners and our counterparties so have actively engaged with us to try to understand what is it we are trying to achieve and we try to understand from them what are they trying to achieve and whether there is common ground. And you do see collaborations arising from that. So I go back to a point that I made earlier, right? It really starts with sitting down with your counterparties, listening, understanding, and then taking it forward. So start small, start with the day-to-day, like Matthew said as well. What can we do here today, the low-hanging fruit, in order to move forward as we let the broader industry and participate with the broader industry to sort, sort out the even more complex problems like fuel of the future and the infrastructure around that. So in summary, not that difficult as long as you're prepared to sit down and listen and spend time with your counterparties.
2: Matthew? <laughs> um, that's a tough one. We, certainly the cost does come up a lot of the time when, when we do have um, some of these conversations. However, I, I think it, it's really down to the way that we approach this. Partnering is, is I mean, obviously certain many facets to it, right? You, you, you could go into it with a certain agenda. So I, I'd like to take from the outset that we be transparent and we be extremely focused on what are we trying to get at. What are we trying to achieve straight out? We, we've heard from uh, Stamatis obviously in, from Synergy earlier about how cape size owners would say, oh, you look at the FFA curve. And I was like, wow, that's, that's, that's good. Our owners know how we, we evaluate and how we, we look at ships. And I think we, we just have to come to a point that it will come where we come to a table. It will come where we have to get together and we understand what is the real crux of the matter and how are we going to get there, what is the agenda. And then you would hopefully get the right people at that table to work towards that step-by-step. Step. It's not going to be an overnight journey, as we've, we all know. Uh, but approaching potentially as a charterer to the people in this room comes with a little bit sense of humility as well. Charterers, fine. You have the cargoes. But I think we also need to realize that we rely on so many people in this value chain. It is not just us. So coming with that little cap here of of not just being an owner, not just being a financier, but coming with a cap knowing that we are charters, but we also have to listen and we have to be humble about that. And we need to hear how do we get there in that scope of that journey.
3: Maybe can I just at one point um, bring a bit of sense of humour to this? Um, I facetiously started saying thank you to owners who don't start the conversation with so. How much are you prepared to pay for this decarbonisation solution? Um, because I, I mean, you know, it lightens the mood in the room, but it's true. I think, in my view, if you start a conversation with, okay, is how much are you prepared to pay on the pay for this solution? You're not going to get anywhere, because cost is an important part. Capital allocation is an important part. So I think it's really, really important to when you come and have a conversation with us to start with the why. You know, why do you think that this solution is one that can benefit? Charterers as well as owners and how does this bring us one step towards the decarbonisation goals? I think that would be a much better way to start a conversation than with the dollars and cents Um, And to answer any unasked questions about you know, are we going to see a bifurcated market? I don't know, but I think supply and demand will play its way out and let's just let the markets do what the markets do as we as businesses focus on value-added solutions Scott yeah, I would
4: just add that it really is about the supply chain. And when we approach it, we try to understand what are the objectives. So it's it's not the simple solution, it's the complex solution. It's understanding not only what's achievable, but what is it that's desired to be achieved. And we can talk about certain solutions that are expensive. We can talk about solutions that aren't expensive. But if you're just shifting the burden on a different mode of transportation and suddenly going to a port where you can no longer use barges to go uh, into the hinterland, you have to use trucks, you really haven't solved anyone's problem. Um, and, and that's one of the challenges we find, is that this is a global energy issue, this is a global emission issue, um, and we as ship owners, operators, shippers, are, are suddenly forced to try to choose the lottery winner of, of what's the next fuel. And, and what we're not talking about is energy efficiency. so. Just like it's the entire supply chain, it's also the entire energy efficiency discussion. And, and this is where I think we as a maritime or shipping industry, we're, we're still uh, learning a lot. So it's a little bit premature to be picking these lottery winners.
0: Thank you. Captain Manny. I guess uh, as a master mariner as well, um, how, have you, how have you found, um, I guess, dealing with things from the other side of the equation, um, being in, in trading and chartering?
5: Yeah, on the the other side, uh, as the owner and uh, working on board as the master, the uh, fuel price uh, is not much um, impact on board. So unless the culture change, uh, the it's more impact to the charter. It's more. There's a more impact for charter when it come to fuel. So the. Uh, Awareness, uh, or how to uh, reduce uh, or optimize is the more proper word for the voyage, is very important. So as we charter, we use a lot of optimization program. And uh, awareness, we constantly communicate with owners. uh, master, and uh, we check the performance uh, of the vessel. And um, I left sea. Um, like quite some time, like 11, 12 years. Uh, back then, the, we never heard anything decarbonization. So when we crossed 2020, it, everybody was only concentrating on the cutting down the sulfur. And then after the sulfur, immediately we went to um, uh, decarbonization. So uh, decarbonization, yeah, we set a lot of targets. I think still very important here is the fuel, uh, which uh, when talking about the kind of fuel we going to use, I think that goes more for the owner side on the R&D and uh, uh, to to choose uh, what is the best fuel. I, I don't hear anything like ammonia. I've been hearing ammonia, hydrogen, methanol, and I can hear uh, methanol being a bit more. Uh, environmental-friendly, fl- but how much uh, research being done on the methanol is uh, or the availability. Like, when we come a charter, we can use methanol, but the logistic part, where, where, where we, uh, like a tanker, there's normally tramping. So, the availability and the logistic, it's still a restriction. Maybe we can do, like, a, a Europe, U.S. run with methanol fuel. So the, the, the industry is not ready, or uh, not 100% or fully support uh, de- decarbonization. Like uh, mo- most of the emission you can cut down in port. but if you can have like a container facilities for tanker, I'm more on the tanker side. If you can have uh, power supply in port. That cuts down a lot of emission in port. Let's talk about at sea in the later stage. But you can cut down a lot of uh, emission in ports specifically. So, how the industry, how the authorities, and how how the regulators are going to support to 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 move forward is very important. It's everybody have to uh, to come and to uh, like. What you said, like a collaboration, you have to think something. It's not one, uh, fraternity's problem. It's not the owners' problem. It's not the end users' problem. It's not charter. It's everybody's problem. So they have to come together and decide, or to improve, put more effort in the R&D to improve the fuel.
0: That's my. Thanks, Captain Manny. So I'm looking at the time we've got a few minutes left, so I'm, I'm going to circle back to ESG, a little bit of a, I guess, a broader question. Um, uh, we have touched on, I guess, a little bit about the social aspect, and I think that's probably uh, a useful one to explore a little bit more. Um, ESG is often about what can be proven and demonstrated. Um, what are the key hurdles to increasing transparency and setting standards? Um, and also, I guess, being on the same page. So within your respective organisations, presumably you have certain ESG targets or initiatives. And in terms of that collaboration partnership, how have you sought to get on the same page with your stakeholders? Perhaps, Sarah, you, you want to start with this one.
1: Great, thank you. Uh, big question there. So, so I think um, just firstly around the um, setting targets, I think... Absolutely having meaningful metrics that are ambitious is absolutely how we were going to uh, get there. And standardisation across the the industry is um, also really, really critical. I think the speed at which um, the industry can digitise will have a direct impact on transparency and traceability across the, the total value chain and will become really, really important. So um, innovations like IoT or sensors, AI, cloud computing, all of these um, things are going to have uh, a really profound impact. Uh, And I think we probably haven't seen um, the extent of blockchain um, uh, either. Being able to measure emissions in real time, having a robust uh, emissions tracking and and measurement platform will be absolutely pivotal to not only record and, and measure, um, you know, the success in, in how we're meeting uh, those targets, but also informing our chartering choices to make sure that we're taking into consideration all of those things around cost safety um, and also supply um, sustainability credentials as well.
0: Thanks, Sarah. Uh, Matthew.
2: Thanks, Ian. I, so, two weeks ago, I, I had the opportunity to, to go on board one of our ships who was in dry dock, and I... I met the master, I met the crew on board, and I was, again, my heart, for a moment, and I think I should say this, my heart melted. Because from an ESG perspective as a charterer, I think safety, welfare of our crew and our seafarers, which I know the next panel will be touching upon, is at the crux of it. And why I say that is because we've seen far too many incidences within our trades where we don't know that an incident had happened or it's not been reported or shared so that we can learn from it. And I think when we get to relate to people who are on board these vessels for extended periods of time, on the chartering desk when we sit there, we start to be able to understand how how human capital becomes so important to this industry. So in summary, I think from an ESG perspective, transparency is extremely important we are trying to raise the awareness through a program called the Designated Owners and Operators Standard where we want to be able to elevate what potentially a dry bulk safety standard could be and that owners and the like-minded people like us will be willing to share and learn from safety incidences that might have happened in our fleets. And I think that, that's probably something that I'm looking forward to as well.
0: Thanks, Matthew. I think the big hook is approaching us the final countdown Um, so i'd like to say thank you very much to our distinguished panel today and to the audience for listening we hope you found the charterers perspectives enlightening thank you very much